uh, it is my, uh, my deep prayer that in this Easter day, somewhere in the proclamation of the mystery, in the celebration of the sacrament, in being with your family, whatever you do today, that somewhere you will encounter the risen Christ. As near as I can figure, I was hit by a car. I carry the scars, walk with the limp, and I've seen the police report that puts my body 50 feet from the point of impact. But I don't have any memory of the crash or any evidence of eyewitness accounts. My life changed in an instant, but I have no recollection of what happened or how it happened. I have a few faint dreamlike images of the first few weeks in the hospital, but the actual crash and the subsequent hours, days, and details are a big black hole. I've seen reports of a severed artery and listened to a witness who worried that I was bleeding out. But I can't remember a thing about the crash. Memory seems crucial for how we form our worldview. We know who we are by what we remember. We, we make decisions about the future in part based on what we understand of the past. I'll ride my bike this afternoon. We carry memories that shape and wound and encourage. We pass on memories as a way to pass on identity. And we grieve when loved ones lose memory, somehow losing a part of who they are. We connect with others through shared memory. Do you remember that Sunday where we rang all the bells? <laughs> Never did that again, did we? <laughs> we are, in part, an interconnecting web of memories, which is one reason why the resurrection story is so intriguing. There's sparse evidence, few details, and limited information, but there is an instruction to remember what Jesus said. So consider. After Jesus was crucified, the hour was too late to dig a trench for a grave. That was the common practice of the poor. But you wouldn't, shouldn't, or couldn't dig on the Sabbath. So the body of Jesus was being stored in the grave of a friend. Custom had it that eventually the family of Jesus would bury the body or put it in an ossuary, 
a box that holds the bones after the body had decomposed. Therefore, the women who traveled with Jesus from Galilee to Jerusalem went to the grave to tend after the body, only to find the grave empty and the body gone. There was no telling what happened, no accounting of how it happened the details of the resurrection are a big black hole. Save two shiny messengers who chide the women about looking for Jesus in a graveyard and then ask them to remember in their words. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He was raised. Remember how he told you while you were still with while he was still with you in Galilee. The son of man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Luke's Luke's telling of the of Easter morning is not marked by trumpets, bells, or even the gentle calling of Mary's name. There's no resurrection appearance. Jesus is off stage, nowhere to be seen. And yet with little evidence but an empty tomb and their memories the women run back to tell the men. In a stew of fears and tears, wonder and memory, the women at the empty tomb are the first expression of post-resurrection faith. There's no appearance, but there's an instruction to remember. There's no... There's no bells and whistles. There's just memory and proclamation. And by the way, you're still with me. Because by the way, on the next story, in the next story in Luke, the disciples on the road to Emmaus don't recognize the resurrected Jesus as he walks through the scriptures with them It's not until he breaks bread that they know him. He disappears, and then they remember. Dear friends, there is an intimate link between faith and memory. For many of us, Easter morning is laced with recollections of family, childhood, and some expectation of what church should feel like on Easter. Oh, that was a good Easter service. This morning holds the memory of loved ones who passed away. It's fragile. The opening notes 
or a lyrical turn are all it takes to trigger a few tears or a flood of memories and longings. Because faith is shaped by what we remember and how we remember. And so not unlike the women at the tomb, what we have this morning is the proclamation of an empty tomb and a tradition of memory. This morning, we come together to remember. And maybe that's it. When we recount, rehearse, and remember Jesus is alive among us, When we follow the way of Jesus, stumble after the steps of Jesus, seek first the kingdom of Jesus, celebrate the table of Jesus, and remember the resurrection of Jesus, Jesus is alive among us. Thanks be to God. But is that it? Is that all we've got? Is memory enough? A few weeks ago, when President Zelensky addressed the joint houses of the United States Congress, he asked us to remember. This is what he said. Friends, Americans, in your great history, you have pages that allow you to understand Ukrainians now. Remember Pearl Harbor, the terrible morning of December 7, 1941, when your sky was black from the planes attacking you. Just remember it. Remember September 11, a terrible day in 2001 when evil turned try to turn your cities, independent territories, into battlefields. Ukraine, our country, experiences the same every day right now at this moment. By tapping into our shared memories, Zelensky was pleading for unity and help. But he was also acknowledging that never forget, that never forget sentiments are impotent. With every atrocity, we say never forget. With every mass shooting, never forget. And in the wake of Maripol and Bucha, Never forget. But for Syria, Darfur, Rwanda, Bosnia, and Herzegovina, Yemen, and Palestine, the calls to never forget weren't enough to stop the slaughter of civilians. There must be something more than never forgetting. There must be something more than memory. 
Dear friends, if the resurrection is nothing more than a function of memory, then it's finally feeble, feeble and flaccid. If Jesus lives only in what we remember, then we stand mute before the world's brokenness and grief. If the resurrection is just a matter of memory, then pass the Easter eggs and the fluffy bunnies. That's all we got. The Apostle Paul puts it this way. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are, be, we are to be pitied more than all others. But, this is the big Easter but. <laughs> that woke that kid up. But if the resurrection is more than memory, if Jesus is literally, physically, existentially resurrected from the dead, then everything is different. The nature of reality has changed. Creation swings on a different hinge. And death isn't the last word. Esau Macaulay a New Testament professor at Wheaton uh, writes this. He wrote this in the New York Times this week. The question, what will God do about the disinherited and ripped apart bodies of the world, can be seen as a central question of religion. Either Give me a bodily resurrection or God must step aside. He's of no use to us. The depiction of the afterlife in which we live apart from our bodies gives physical suffering the final word. If a black body can be hanged from a tree and burned, never to be restored again. What kind of victory is the survival of a soul? The mob then would be able to take something that even God cannot restore. If my cousin's body can be ravaged by disease and lost to her forever, does that not render illness more powerful than God? Wow. That's to say that while the women went to the tomb expecting to see the corpse of Jesus, they actually went from one world into a new world. They stepped out of a world where the weak all eventually suffer under some Pontius Pilate or another, and people hatch murderous plots, and the dead people stay dead, 
and they stepped into a new world where resurrection is a reality. They entered not some variation of a spiritual life wherein our souls are saved. They entered into a new creation where grace and mercy and life and shalom are ultimately embodied. Last page. For dear friends, as Jesus is alive, not just in our memories, but loosed on the world, then our failures don't hold sway, but forgiveness does. Then terror doesn't win, but peace prevails. If Jesus is not just in our memories, but a loosed on the world, then death is finally trumped by life. Then war might have a day, but shalom will finally reign. And whatever vestige of death you struggle with, whatever disappointment, brokenness, or addiction, whatever, Whatever it is that beats you down, whatever it is, it doesn't have the last word. Jesus does. The actual resurrection is a big black hole. They're not saying that in very many churches this morning. <laughs> if I didn't say stuff like that, we'd have a big church. The actual resurrection is a big black hole. We don't have memories of the moment or a recounting of the event. However, we do have gospel accounts of what happened next. We do have women running to tell the men. Men slow on the uptake. We do have Peter peering into the tomb and wondering. And we do have our life together in the spirit of Jesus. And we do regularly remember what Jesus told us. But the resurrection itself is an expression of faith. It's an act of proclamation. It's more than just a function of memory. It is a towering, triumphant, mysterious, miraculous new creation. I believe in the resurrection of Jesus. Some would say hallelujah and ring a bell. <laughs> This morning, we gather in the memory and mystery of the resurrection. We, we read old stories, practice old rituals, and sing old songs. We remember those whom we love. And we gather at the table 
to do this in remembrance. And in doing so, we proclaim a new world through the death and resurrection of Jesus. So sisters and brothers, come to the table of life to remember and proclaim that Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Amen.